0: on what it means to put Christ first in your life. And you just don't know how excited I am in this series. And just one of those revelations that I had in my life as I went on a missions trip. And I realized that the per- whole purpose of what we need to be doing as a church is helping you put Christ first in your life. And everything else, everything else will um, you know, fall into place. And, you know, a lot of us are motivated to put um, Christ first in our life, and there's a lot of different re- reasons. One of them could be for our love of God, because we know that God sacrificed so much and loves us so much that we want to take that love and uh, focus it back on Him. You know, some of us want to put Christ first because of our obedience. We want to be obedient uh, to God. And some of us do that just because we... Exp- We experience what happens when you put Christ first in your life that if you put Christ first in your life, you put him in front of everything else you are going to experience a life that's fulfilling, that has purpose, and it's going to be an exciting life because you're putting God first. There's a lot of different reasons, but today one of the reasons why I think that we should all think about putting Christ first is that we are running out of time. And you know, I know that's kind of like a bummer for some of us here. It's like, oh, I, I already knew that. I, need, I didn't need to come to church to find out. Hey, the pastor says we're going to all die sometime. But we are all running out of time. And the older we get, you know, there's been scientific studies show that we perceive time differently. I mean, we just passed the holiday season. I mean, for, you know, you young kids and your students, you probably couldn't wait to the holidays, because that meant, woo, you, school was over. You get a break from school. And it took forever to get there. But some of us who are older, we just said, what, Christmas already? You know, I, I, every time I turn around, it's Christmas. You know, i got to get the cards. i got to do all of these things. You know, why couldn't it take longer? But we perceive time differently. However, you know, you young kids, you got your whole life in front of you. But those of us who are my age, around my age, in our 40s and, you know, 50s, and we start thinking instead of, um, yeah, God, what do we want to do with our lives? It's like, gosh, how much time do I have left? You know, how much time do we have left? And it's interesting, I was listening to this one pastor, and he said there was this um, website called deathclock.com. deathclock.com. And what you do is kind of, I know it's kind of morbid. You answer a bunch of questions, and then it just, boom, this is the day that you're going to die. You know, don't look it up right now, okay? I don't want you to all be distracted. Just write that down and check it out later. But, you know, I just went online and I looked at it, and it says that uh, I'm going to be here till March of 2035. So I got about 18 more (laughs) years in my life. Um, to do God's will. Um, but anyway, we, aren't we all conscious about time? We are. We're always looking at our watches. We're, you know, we're, we're saying, oh gosh, i got to get so much done. And we are so busy that we have to partition our time to make sure that we have enough time to do all the things that we want to do. But the problem is, you know, time keeps ticking on and it stopped and so the question we should ask ourselves is not what time it is in reference to okay uh, it's 10:46 now I hope the pastor finishes when he's supposed to because I've got a lunch to go to after this or I've got this activity you know the question isn't um, what time is it it's what am I doing with time because our time here is limited And we all know that one day we are going to leave this earth. But when you think about it, death actually gives our life meaning. You know, i shared this before, but for those of you who played sports, let's just say I know a lot of you guys play basketball, so we'll use this. Um, What if you were playing five-on-five and there was no ending? That you were playing your, um, whatever, your rivals, and five-on-five... And they said, hey, let's just go and play. When's the game going to end? That's ah, not. Just keep playing. You know, at one point, you know, it might be fun at first, but after a while, if you keep playing and playing and playing, and there's no final buzzer, the game really is meaningless, right? Because who wants to keep playing over and over and on and on and on? However, if you only know that you've got a certain amount of time to score your points and defend... And to possibly win this game, it puts perspective on how you play the game. And that's so true with um, life. So the question that we are going to ask today uh, ourselves is, what are we doing with our time? What are we doing with the time that's allotted, uh, God has allotted each one of us here on earth? So if you have your Bibles, can you turn with me to Psalm 90? Verse 2. And we're going to start with verse 2. Psalm 90, verse 2. Now this might come to a shock for some of you, but this was written by Moses. Well, at least most people think that this was written by Moses. And when you think of the Psalms, who do you think writes the, wrote the Psalms? David, right? David. But this one here is we think, is the oldest Psalm. Why? Because it was written by Moses. But he talks about this whole thing about time and the meaning of of life within the context of the years God gives us here. And so He says, Before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the whole world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Now he gives us a context of our life here. As he takes a look at this, he says, Before the mountains were born, you were brought from the whole world, world from everlasting to everlasting. everlasting now this is God okay and this should be our context of how we view our life in in terms of a God who's everlasting to everlasting okay we think we're gonna live forever we think that you know it's it's like you're you're a teenager and goes my goodness I've been a teenager forever when can I outgrow this right and it seems like it's just time just takes a long time right but in the context of a God that's everlasting to everlasting, this helps us give perspective on our lives. It helps us give context to frame our lives. When you understand this context, it helps you determine the purpose or the point of life. Because when you're young, when you're a teenager, you know what's the purpose of life or what's the point of life? Well, the point of life is you, right? It's like, okay, um, what college am I going to go to, or um, what major should I choose, Uh, what person should I date and eventually marry, what career should I choose, and you're making all of these decisions, you're trying to figure out who you are and how you fit into the scheme of things, how you fit into, you know, culture and society, and so, you know, when you're that age, it's understandable that, okay, the point of life is you, the point of life is you. However, when you get to my age, when you're in your 40s and your 50s, if the point of your life is still you, you will be very unsatisfied with your life. Because once you get to my age and you've lived life, you know, a few decades, you find out. That life is only meaningful if it's in the context of something that's larger than you. Okay, so those of us who are like 40s and above sitting in this room, if you, life, still, if the point of life is you, right? How's that going for you right now? How's that going uh, for you right now? Where well, the context can't be you, it's got to be something larger than us. And our context is everlasting to everlasting. And we have this brief, brief moment to live out this life in that context. And he goes on to say in verse 3, it says, You turn people back to dust, saying, Return to dust, you mortals. Once again, God is saying here, your lives here are brief. You guys were created from dust, and guess what? You guys are going to go back to dust. No matter how much we acquire, no matter how much we achieve, no matter how popular you are, no ma- guess what? We are all going to go back to dust. We are all going to die, and that's what... You know, he was saying here, and he goes on to say in verse four, a thousand years is your, in your sight or like a day that has just gone by or like a watch in the night. A thousand years to God is just like a day. You know, what was happening a thousand years ago? Well, that's when the crusades were about to start. But in God's sight, you know, that's just like a day. Well, if a day is like a thousand years to God, what kind of perspective does that give you if you think, okay, I'm going to give a, uh, live a good 70, 80 years? Your life is just like that. James says, what? Our life's like a vapor. Now, it doesn't say, now, what Moses isn't trying to say here is that our life is meaningless or unimportant to God because that's not what he's saying what he is saying that our life is important to God our life has value to God but it is so short we need to make some choices on how we are going to live our lives in such a brief period of time Because most of us don't think our our lives in the context of everlasting to everlasting. We think our context of life is in the here and now. And that we look at the um, average statistics and the amount of years that we have here. And we think we've got a lot of time. But to a God who's everlasting to everlasting, our life is just a vapor. Our life is just a vapor. And that's something that is hard for us to comprehend. But it's true. It's true. We need to start making decisions based upon our life being a vapor and not permanent or that we're going to be here for a long time. And he says, um, you sweep people away in the sleep of death. They are like new grass in the morning. In the morning, it springs up new, but in the evening, it is withered. Okay. And so what Moses is saying here is our life is so, so short. Our life is futile if we try to create something meaningful on our own. We cannot create something meaningful on our own because life is too short. In order for us to have meaning in life, it has to be connected to something larger than us. It has to be connected to a God that's everlasting um, to everlasting. And so, you know, that's the only It only just makes sense. That when we take our life in a vapor, and and we look at our life in the context of God is everlasting to everlasting, that a thousand years are like a day to God is being, okay, God, I can't comprehend everlasting to everlasting. It just blows my mind. I can't comprehend that. Would you help me? Would you help me figure out how to use my time the best I can since my life is just a vapor. You know, once again, you know, when we were younger, our lives revolved around us. But as you get older, you understand that your life can't revolve around you. That there's got to be something, that you've got to be part of uh, something that's larger than you. And see, this is why we have midlife crisis, right? Have you ever known what, you know, people who have gone through midlife crisis... What are they trying to find? They're trying to find meaning with life revolving around them. It's like 40 and 50. You know what? I'm not happy. I'm not satisfied. There's something missing in my life, right? You know, Mako talked about Tom Brady, you know, probably one of the best quarterbacks that played the game. I don't know. How many Super Bowls did he win? Five. Five. Okay, five Super Bowls. He had it all, but he said that something was missing. Is this all there is to life? And you're looking, this guy has everything. He's got the model wife. He's got riches. He's got fame. He's got notoriety. He's going to be remembered forever as probably one of the best quarterbacks that ever lived. Yet he himself said, that's not enough. Why? Why? Because once you get to middle age and you're trying to still find meaning, if the point in life is you, you'll never find it. You'll never find it. It's got to be in the context, finding purpose and meaning, in the context of everlasting to everlasting in a relationship with our God. And then he also says, um, in verse number 10, our days... May come to 70 years or 80 if our strength endures. Yet the best of them are but trouble and sorrow. They quickly pass and we fly away. Once again, he's saying the brevity of life. And I've shown this example before, but I think it's time for the rope. So Mako, could you come forward? And Lerner, since you're in the front row, could you give Mako a hand? And so what I'd like you to do is um, come up here. Mako, could you come up here, Lerner? Uh, go right there. And could you just take this rope and, oh, if you could untie it, and just give, uh, extend it to Learner. So you take one end, and Learner, could you take this to, uh, and just keep walking as far as you could go without, yeah, as far as you could go. Okay, now could you kind of make it taut? So it's about maybe this high. <clears throat> there you go. Higher. So it's kind of like straight like this. Got it? Okay. So let's say this line represents your life. Okay. And. Oh, there it is. Okay. Now, Marco accused me of stealing this from a pastor, but. I came up with this idea in the 90s, okay? And so I didn't even know this pastor in the 90s. So I take claim for this. Okay, what? He stole it from me, okay? So this is your life. I mean, no, 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 this isn't your life. This is eternity, right? This is your eternity. And this is your life in context of eternity. So let's, could you see that? No, I can it's a little scratch. So basically, this is your scratch life. Now, say this rope extends eternity that way, right? This is what your life is. Your life here is a scratch. So all of the decisions that you make, all the things that you think are important, all the things that you're chasing after are on this little scratch. Our scratch careers, our scratch majors, our scratch homes, our scratch vacations, our scratch, whatever it is that you're going after, it's all on this little little scratch. Now what is that in compared to all eternity? And once again, the longer this goes that way, the narrower this gets. So once again, for those of you who hadn't seen it, I don't mean to depress you, but your life is just a scratch. You know, And that's the way you got to view it. So why don't we give Mako and Lenore a hand. Thank you very much. But this is what Moses was trying to say. You guys think you're here forever. You guys think that you guys are like the mountains. That uh, uh, somehow whether you're here or your legacy is going to remain forever. It's not. We live scratch lives. Your life is just a scratch. And compared... To all eternity. And this is where it kind of gets weird in 90, 11, because it's like, wow, what's this curveball? And he says, If we only knew the power of your anger, your wrath is as great as the fear that is your due. And you know, that kind of sounds weird. So as I was looking at this, you know, one of the pastors that I really appreciate that I actually got, you know, the sermon from is Andy Stanley. And Pastor Stanley was saying that, you know, there are some words in the Hebrew language that just don't translate well into the English. And this is one of them. And so what he was saying is that what this passage really means is that if we could see God as he is, we would give him the reverence He is due. If we could see God in all of his totality, in all of his righteousness, we would give God the reverence that he is due. The problem is that we can't. Remember Moses? Moses was only allowed to see the backside of God as God passed by. We read that in the Old Testament. and That's more metaphorical because we know that God doesn't have the backside. But what would have happened to Moses if he saw God in his in his totality, in all of his righteousness and holiness and power. If Moses saw God, Moses would have been killed because we can't handle that. And so what he's saying here is, you know, God, if we could just see our lives in the totality, it's a shortness in our life, in the totality of who you are, are the greatness of you are you know you're everlasting to everlasting we would give you the reverence that is due meaning I, you know if I fully understood God if I was fully able to see God I would not plan out my life you know I'd say God I I, I only have a little vapor I only have this little scratch you know, teach me how to make the most of this scratch because I can't comprehend everlasting to everlasting. And this is where Moses goes on. And if you underline this, if you just mark it, highlight it in your Bibles or in your you know, iPads, you could do that. Um, uh, verse 12, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Teach us how to live a life where our days are numbered so we could have wisdom. He says, God, I don't understand everlasting to everlasting. I don't fully comprehend my life is just a scratch because I comprehend my life as being longer than just a scratch. But for you, God, who a thousand years is like a day, Help me understand how to live my life in its fullest being such a brief life. You know, God, I need the proper perspective so I don't waste time. Because there comes a moment in each one of our lives where there's a moment of no return. There's a moment of no return. And let me illustrate that. I know some of you here are students, right? And so you're given the course syllabus. You know when the midterm and final is. So right now you'll probably know when your midterms are, right? And say, let's say, well, okay, I know my, when my midterms are, they're like maybe a couple, a month or so away. But instead of studying, because you know if it's a month away, you know what you're supposed to be doing in order to get ready for the midterm. But let's just say you don't study. They say, oh, okay, well, I've got plenty of time. It's a month and a half away, you know, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. And guess what? It's the night before and you didn't study. Well, you've just hit a moment of no return. Well, you cannot cram a month and a half of study in just a few hours. Why? Because the time is gone. The time is gone and you can't get it back. You've already passed the moment of no return. You know, some of us, you know, when we come to Christ, we're all excited. You know, you know, most of us come to Christ when we're young and we say, you know what? I'm going to make Christ the center of my life for the rest of my life. I'm going to follow Jesus and man, we're going to do great things. I'm going to just save the world and I'm going to use my whole life doing that. Then what happened? Well, college, career, you know, family comes up and we've noticed that what? Well, 10 years have passed. 10 years have passed that we can't get back. You know, parents, when you first have your child, you're holding that child and said, You know what? I'm going to teach this child the ways of the Lord. I'm going to teach this child to live a Christ-centered life so they could understand their purpose or God's will or the way God gifted them so they could live a life serving God and holding that little child. Next thing we know, activities come up. It could be sports. It could be piano music lessons. It could be whatever you put in there. Then the next thing you know, it's... My child is graduating high school. You know, what happened? Once again, you've reached the point of no return. Because God has given us a certain time to instill, you know, these biblical and spiritual principles into the lives of our kids. And then we send them off into the world to live out God's purposes, you know, in, their, in our lives. And um, then we say, okay, well, a third of my life is gone. A third of, well, okay, I still got two-thirds left, and I'm going to use this time to make Jesus the center of our lives. Then we have careers. Then we have hobbies. Then we have our accomplishments. Then we're going to say, well, do I have enough money to retire? You know what we're doing We're taking that scratch and we are making it thinner and thinner and thinner when it comes to the time we have to put Christ first in our lives. You got to remember that you are just starting off with this scratch. And by going after all of these other things, you're just making that scratch thinner and thinner and thinner for the time that you have to serve God, to put him first in uh, your life, to experience what it means to live a Christ-centered life. It's getting thinner and thinner and thinner, right? And then we say, well, you know what? I'll do that when I retire. I'll do that when I retire. How many people, you know, I've heard that a lot too, and I've even thought of that too. You know, I'll go on the mission field when I retire, right? Well, there's a problem with that, because number one, you might not get there. Okay, I mean, we don't know how long we're going to live. And two, health is a big difference. You know, you know on this mission trip, you know, I, I thought I was going to teach. And so I was all prepared to teach. And when they told me, I want you to teach five hours a day, I said, okay, I'll teach five hours a day. Then we went to our second place and they said, we are going to do an irrigation. I go, what? I said, I came here to teach. This body is made for teaching, not for digging ditches and holes right? And so we started digging ditches. You know, the stuff we did, if we had equipment in America, you know Americanized equipment, we could have probably done it in like four hours. It took three days. We had to dig a ditch, and then we had to dig a hole that was around four feet wide and about six feet deep by tools that were just jury-rigged. You know, they had like a, like a shovel-handle a whole handle and I said What's a handle so they go back and cut a piece of bamboo and they shove it in so every time we went like this and pulled it it came out and I just go oh. oh no every fifth time I go oh man this is crazy this is crazy and so you know we have machines that could transport dirt guess who the machinery was to transport dirt it was me and two five gallon buckets right and I had these little young girls filling the buckets they must have been about ten and I kept them telling don't fill them to the top I can't carry them. Fill them maybe a third of the way, and they were just making fun of me because all the young guys were just. You you can't even take a third of a bucket of dirt in each hand. Well, guess what? I said, "Okay, I'll carry two full buckets. I'll show you." I threw on my back. You know, on the airplane ride back, I was in so much pain, and it started three hours into an 11-hour flight. Where I felt like somebody took an ice pick and just went like this and was going like this into my back. I was totally dying. I'm in the ba- it was so bad, I'm in the back of the airplane looking at that door. I said, you know, if this door opened and sucked me out of the airplane, that wouldn't be that bad. Cause at least I wouldn't feel this pain, <laughs> you know. But once again, here you might think, oh yeah, I'm gonna do mission work when I retire. Well, you may not have the back. To do that kind of stuff. You may not have the health to do that, you know, kind of stuff. But the problem is, you know, you get to retirement and you you do all of the things you always wanted to do, right? That you couldn't do before. Yeah, I'm going to live life. I'm going to do this and all of the things that I couldn't do before. And guess what? That scratch was already thin. You just made it thinner. thinner and thinner and then you get to the point of no return where your heart says man I want to do all I can to live a Christ centered life but guess what you just don't have the time I mean you might have a little time to do it but you look back and you say I've wasted all of these years going after scratch stuff then number one didn't give my life meaning. It didn't give me joy. It didn't give me satisfaction. It only gave me regret as I look at from this point of view that way. And I said, man, I wish I could have spent more time putting Christ first. And the thing is that last week I said, you know, God has wonderful plan for you. He has a plan to prosper you. He has a plan to give you hope. He has a plan to give you a future. But as our superintendent Jason Garcia says, if you do not step out in faith and follow God now, all of his plans for you to give you hope, a future, and to prosper you, is going to be nothing but a dream. The dream that God has for you. The wonderful plans he has for you. They're just a dream. Unless you and I have the faith to step out and say, you know what, God? Give me the wisdom that I need. Teach me to number my days that I might gain a heart of wisdom. Do it now. Now. Make this your prayer today, tonight. Don't make it tomorrow. Don't make it five years from now. Don't make it when my life seems will get easier. Make that prayer right now. Don't get to the point where you get to the point of no return. Right? So what's a weekly challenge? Well, let's meditate on Psalm 90, 1 to 6. And then um, Psalm 90, 10 to 12, twice a day. And then ask yourself at the end of my life what do I want to have accomplished for God. At the ask yourself at the end of my life what do I want to have accomplished for God. Okay? Then this week just take two steps that you could do to start achieving this. Okay, think about what you want to accomplish. Think about what it's going to take to get there and take two steps baby steps to start marching in that direction. And then every morning when you get up, ask God to give you the wisdom to live as though your days are numbered. Ask God to give you the wisdom to live as though your days are numbered in light of everlasting to everlasting. Let's pray. Father, You know, I'm convinced, Lord, that it's the plan of our enemy to keep us distracted. To allow us to think that there's always a tomorrow to get done what you want us to get done today. And Father, we push off living a Christ-centered life because there are so many other things that we want to accomplish and get done. And Father, we come to you You know, being human and not being able to comprehend what it means that you are everlasting to everlasting and that our lives are in the context of everlasting to everlasting, that our lives are just a vapor, that our lives are just grass that's here in the morning and that withers in the evening. And Father, that we are dust, that we were created from dust and will go back to dust. Lord, we don't understand that. Father, in our context of time, we just feel that we are like the mountains, that we have plenty of time. Father, I pray that you would convict each one of us this week to view our lives as that scratch, as that vapor, and that apart from you, we can't accomplish anything meaningful. Father, the, for those in this room right now who are struggling because they're going through a midlife crisis where the things that brought them purpose are not bringing on purpose anymore. Father, would you let them know that life cannot be about them, that the point of life cannot surround just them, that they have to be a part? Father, of what you are doing in this world, Father, which is also a scratch world in light of eternity. So, Father, we thank you so much that you have plans for us, plans to make us prosper, plans to give us a future and hope. And I pray that each person here this week will have the courage to step out in faith and follow that. So they wouldn't be just your dreams that you have of us. But Father, that you could see the the potential lived out in each one of us. Not based upon our own skills, but the power, the transforming power that your spirit has to allow us to make a difference in this world. Thank you, Jesus. In your son's name we pray. Amen.